I'm so excited to be talking to you guys today because I probably, I wrote this message probably a month ago and had it all set out, ready to go, like good and structured. And then the past two weeks have happened similar to, I mean, not, not Luke and we're not in the same situation, but we both have been going through some stuff in the past couple of weeks. And so um, God has drastically rewritten this message for me in the past two weeks. So I want to take you on a journey today and just know that anytime I'm up here, especially today, I'm never like preaching at you. I'm like walking you through a situation so that you can understand like what my walk with God looks like and just know that like we're in the same place. Like we are constantly trying to be more like Christ. I am constantly trying to be more like Christ. I'm no better than you because I'm standing on this stage. Like this is just me communicating my heart to you so that you can connect with Jesus as I want to connect with Jesus. So first things first, I'm one of those weird people. I guess it's because I'm a millennial. I still listen to the radio. Raise your hand if you actually listen to the radio. Okay, yeah. Raise your hand if you listen to AM radio. Yeah. I, I think there's like, yeah, of course, Ed. <laughs> like, of course. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I think there's like, I only know of two channels on AM radio that works. And one of them talks about gardening and the other one is sports. So um, one of the reasons I listen to the radio is because I drive a 2008 Sonda, Sonda, Scion XB. Um, my CD player, if you try to change the CD while you're driving, gets stuck and you can't change the volume. Um, and then my auxiliary cord is completely broken. So I have to listen to the radio or be left alone with my own thoughts, which is like, ugh, you know, so like, no. So I listen to the radio. And usually when I'm listening to the radio, I'm listening to sermons or I'm listening to some sort of like church-related radio station. Um, and I was listening to it one day and they were talking about how the church has been impacted over the past 20 years as far as like elections go and stuff like that. Um, and they have found that people who identify, when it comes to voting, people who identify as evangelicals has been drastically falling since the 1970s. It's not like a mountain like up and down and up and down. It's like from the 1970s, we have drastically had a decrease in people who consider themselves evangelical voters, um, which I thought was interesting um, depending on your perspective of culture, may not seem surprising. Um, but then even just yesterday, excuse me, cheers. Just yesterday, I was watching a video on YouTube um, about a gentleman who analyzes church denominations and goes through like the history of church denominations. And he was citing some research that showed over the past 20 years, attendance in certain main uh, sex of churches is decreasing as well. I'm not going to name the sex because I'm not trying to show, like throw shade on anybody, but very large congregations have been steadily decreasing over the past 20 years. The attendance has been decreasing over the past 20 years. And at first I was like, well, that's disconcerting. You know, like some of these churches who have millions of members have lost hundreds of thousands of members over the past 20 years. And I was like, uh, that feels icky. You know, like that's not a good feeling. But then what he went on to cite was that attendance in non-denominational churches has actually been steadily growing, not as quickly, not at the same rate that they've been decreasing in others, but attendance in non-denominational churches has been ticking upward. And I'm, I'm an analytical, I'm a logical guy, and I'm like, why is that happening? And I, I, believe me, this has something to do with our message, I swear. This is just like a lot of front-loading going on. So my conviction... And the more I researched and the more I read and the more I listened to like certain pastors speaking about their congregations is that I think that as a culture, and I think I mentioned this last time I spoke, 
as a culture, we are getting away from traditional Christian religion, and we're thirsting for an actual relationship with God, right? And so we're seeing people walk away from these traditional congregations because a lot of them are splitting over disagreements as far as like um, allowing homosexuals in the church, allowing women, do we uh, baptize at birth, do we baptize when you're older, like is it once saved, always saved? Like we find these congregations getting caught up in these religious ideals as opposed to seeking after a relationship with God. So people are walking away because the depth of their faith is based off a certain set of man-made rules or expectations. When in reality, all Jesus wants is a relationship with us, right? All Jesus wants is to create a community of believers who's going to lift each other up, not create a certain set of rules that says you have to be like this if you want to be here, right? And so my conviction is that we're seeing this uptick in non-denominational because there's actually not a, a mass exodus from the church. There's a mass problem of people desiring intimacy with God and they're not finding it in those churches, unfortunately. So that will move us into our message. I promise it'll relate as we go back. Um, our verse that I wanna focus on today is John 15, one through four. Jesus says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. In this particular translation, it says remain. Um, I don't like that because remain to me has a connotation of sitting. Um, I, I much prefer the word abide. And when I was first reading the translation I first started with, did say abide. I'm a nerd word. I'm an English major. So when I see a word like abide, I understand what it means in context. And I think most of you probably understand what it means in context. But it feels like it's one of those words that we say. And if I asked you to define it, it might be a little bit of a struggle, right? Like if I say, what is Freedom. Well, depending on who you ask, you may get a very different definition, especially in the United States right now. If you ask what hope is, you might get a different definition depending on who you ask. I think if we use the word hope in context, you know what that means. I think if we use the word freedom in context, we understand what that means. But in order to understand what abide actually means, I want us to look at what the definition of abide means. So the definition of abide is in my notes right in front of my face. means to accept or to act in accordance with a rule, a decision, or a recommendation. So it means to, if we said, which I, I don't think Luke will do this, we can no longer wear jeans at church. In order to abide with that rule, you now have to wear dresses and slacks, right? That would be abiding. That would be accepting and going along with, right? And so I was like, okay, so that's the English definition. I'm going to go a little bit further because, again, I'm a nerd word. And I had to reach out to my resident Greek expert, Bo, over here. And the root of abide actually is a Greek word, don't laugh at me, menete. I know I sound like I just like a dude with a bad Italian accent. I know that's, I don't know how to pronounce Greek, I'm sorry. But it's menete, meaning to continue into or to abide in. Um, and when I heard menete, it made me think of the word maintain, which spoilers, it's not where we get our word maintain from, that's a Latin root. But they all have similar connotations, right? It means to maintain or to continue in. So then when I said, okay, so Jesus is saying, 
continue in me and I will continue in you. In order to continue something, we must begin something. So how do we begin with Christ? How do we begin with Jesus? Well, we hear the gospel, we accept it, and we believe. That is the first thing. And he even says back in John 15, 1 through 4, he says, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. So he's saying, just by hearing my word, just by accepting my word, I've already pruned you as the vine and you being the branches, I've already pruned you and set you up for success. Um, I love making things. Those of you who know me know if, if it can be made at home, I've probably made it. I've made deodorant, I've made toothpaste, I've made mistakes, i made all sorts of stuff. <laughs> if, I love making things. Um, and in that same vein, I wanted to try gardening. And you can ask Bree. Every summer, I go to Home Depot and I choose about four or five plants that will end up dead by the end of the summer. But regardless, I maintain. I continue to try. So I, as I was first getting into gardening and I'm trying to like make sure they're growing and producing fruit, um, I've always heard the term to prune and it just seems so opposite of logic to me. Like, why would I cut off all the good things I already have? You know, I bought a, uh, a cayenne pepper plant from Home Depot, and I bought it because it already had a few peppers on there, and I'm like, I'm ahead of the game. Like, well, I've, uh, <laughs> the work's been done for me. All I gotta do is put this puppy in the backyard, a little sprinkle of water, we're good to go. So as I'm letting it grow, I'm realizing it, as it grew upward, it started to tilt. And so I started to take wire and string and like try to hold it up. And it's still like, you know, like this. Every day in the backyard, it's looking at me like, help me, please. <laughs> and so I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And so I start reading like how to take care of cayenne plants. And it's like, you need to prune them. And I was like, why would I do that? Like, why would I cut off all this fruit I already have? Why would I give up what I already have? And they're like, no, no, no. If you prune it, it's going to grow so much stronger and produce so many more peppers, way more than you would ever have. Because if you continue to let it grow on its own, it's going to just wither and die. It's going to get too tall. It's going to fall over. It's going to die. It's going to, it's going to wither. You're not going to be able to get any fruit out of it other than what's already there. So you got to prune it. Dude, sure enough, I went out there with my little clippers, and I went clip, clip, clip. And there was just a, a lonely little stick, just like standing like this. But over the course of weeks, that sucker bloomed outward and then upward, and I had more peppers than I know what to do with. I made like three bottles of hot sauce. I got some dried up that I ground into powder. I've got some in my pantry right now that I'll put in chili if I'm making chili. I mean, I had more peppers than I knew what to do with because I pruned away what was unnecessary. I pruned away what was keeping that plant from being as productive as it could be, though it felt counterproductive, though it felt like this is dumb. Because some of those branches I clipped off had fruit on them. Some of those branches I clipped off had peppers on them. And I was like, ah, oh, this seems dumb to like, get rid of this. Why would I do that? It's because in order to produce more fruit, sometimes we're going to have to sacrifice some things that we feel like, ah, oh, that doesn't feel comfortable. I don't want to give that up. This is inconvenient. This is expensive. Why would I do that? So as we're pruned, God is setting us up for success. God is setting us up to abide in him. And as we talk about abiding, I want to talk about what abiding is not. Um, and this kind of goes back to that, that church exodus we talked about in the beginning. Church, or abiding in Christ is not showing up here every Sunday. Abiding in Christ is not 
posting on Instagram. I mean, all the stereotypical things you think of, the outward expressions. Now, those things, going to church, um, doing a Bible study, posting things on Instagram can be evidence of abiding in Christ, but they do not replace abiding in Christ. They can be evidence of your relationship, but they should not replace your relationship. You know what I'm saying? If you're coming to church to tick a box, you might as well stay home and eat some waffles, okay? Um, If you're posted on Instagram so all your friends can see, that's meaningless nothingness. Um, If you're posting out of an overflow of conviction and joy and celebration of the Lord, then hallelujah, do that. But if this is for you, you need to prune that out. It needs to be gone. So, it is, it is more about the posture of your heart than the actions of your body. It is more about what is going on inside of here that is, that is moving you and convicting you to make these decisions, you know? Um, I was trying to think of a funny illustration to, to go along with this, and the only thing I can think of is my relationship with Amazon and your relationship with Amazon. You know, do we have the same relationship with God as we do with Amazon? Are we scrolling, looking for blessings, <laughs> looking for prayers? <laughs> oh, Lord. What blessings can I, ooh, absolutely. Oh, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, send prime membership two days. It'll be mine. Yes, Lord. And then it shows up and you're like, hallelujah. Yes, Jesus, I'm a prime member. I show up every Sunday, prime member. But then you're scrolling through and you're asking for blessings. You hit select, you hit send, you hit that buy now button. You want it right now. I don't care what credit card you use. Just give it to me. And then it never shows up, and then what do you do? What's up, God? Uh, I'm a prime member. Hello. I serve at church. Did you not see my Facebook post? Like, why did this not show up? And then you start writing bad reviews to God, like, uh, pretty sure you owe me this. Pretty sure this is what I asked for, Lord. Pretty sure I deserve this. That is the worst word we could use. I don't know what it is. Something about deserve. Ugh. Like, seeing people, anywhere, I mean, I'm not just talking about in Christian, just in general, like, I deserve this. No, you don't. You don't deserve anything. (laughs) Like, you know what you deserve? I can't say it up here. That's what you deserve. Like, all of us, like, (laughs) like, like, all of us deserve horrible things because we've all done horrible things. Like, this whole idea of, like, "Mm, I'm going to get that. That's mine. Like, stop. Just stop. You don't deserve it. So, I, I, I remember, again, I teach high school. So I know some of the, the, the bad prayers. I'll give you some example of my bad prayers I've done. Sitting in the parking lot, just like sipping my coffee, like, Lord, please give me a good day. Lord, make these kids behave. In Jesus' name, make these kids behave. And Je- Lord, can you just give me, can the, ab- can the bad kid be absent today? Lord, I just pray. Lord, I don't want him to be real sick, but just sick enough, Lord, that he's not here today. Like, heal his body not right now, in like eight hours, heal his body in Jesus' name so that he's here uh, when he doesn't have my class. Lord, please. You know, and I, and I, man, I prayed those prayers. I prayed those prayers for years going into school. And school is tough. I mean, dealing with middle school. I teach high school now, but I taught middle school for eight years. And man, whew, talk about, I love kids. Man, they're mean. They're like, have you ever, have you ever had a kid make you cry as an adult? Yeah. Oh, Nothing stings more than the words of a 14-year-old, let me tell you. <laughs> man, they may, I'll tell you, oh man, now I'm getting sidetracked. Well, let me just tell you, these kids, you know, I, and, I, and I love my kids. We joke and like I let, them, I let them rag on me a little bit. And they're like, Mr. Banks, you sponsored by McDonald's? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, because that hairline's making me go ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And I'm like, 
And like on the outside, I'm like, ha ha. On the inside, I'm like, oh God. See, a 14-year-old, like there's something about their brain. They know how to hone in on your insecurities. They know exactly what makes you feel horrible. And they're just like, "Mm, you chose those shoes today? Mm, That's nice. Okay. Wow, you do look fat in that. That's crazy. Like, yeah, there's something about 14-year-olds. So anyway, I found myself (laughs) thinking I'm going to face this sort of crowd and going, please, Lord, don't let that kid be there. Please, Lord, let me have a good day. And what I realized after years of praying and it not changing anything is that God doesn't want us to pray those prayers. Like, praying for God to change our circumstances robs him of the opportunity to help you grow. Praying for God to change your circumstances keeps you in the same place you were five years ago. You're that guy looking around at all your buddies who, who are, are living lives, serving the Lord, and you're going, what happened? Why am I still here? And they're, they're all there. It's like, well, are you, are you praying away God's opportunities? Because that's what they are. They're not, they're not challenges. I think about that meme where it's like, God gives us toughest battles to his toughest soldiers, and it's like when I survive a tummy ache. It's like, if that's your mindset, that's where you're always going to be. You're going to feel like your tummy ache is this giant battle. You're going to feel like the person cutting you off is this giant battle. Like, oh my gosh, I got cut off twice today, you guys. Like, can't even tell you. But I prayed through it. I'm better for it. We're good. Like, it, it, if you want to stay in the kiddie pool, God will let you. Like, God will let you stay in the shallows. But I'll warn you, that's why there's a mass exodus from some of these churches, because these people refuse to go any deeper with God. They're willing to tick the box. Yeah, I'll show up on Sundays. That's fine. Um, I'll attend... You know, I'll attend the Easter luncheon. I'll do those things. I'll serve in kids, I guess. But it's only to say that they did it. It's not because they want their heart to be changed. And I think the reason we pray away these circumstances is because we don't trust God. And, and I don't mean that in like a convicting, like, you don't trust God. I mean, like, we don't trust God. Like, that's why we pray those things away is because in that moment, what we're saying is like, God, I'm afraid of what I'm going to encounter, and you're not going to be there with me to help me through it, which is ridiculous because though we have experienced suffering, God has been there every moment of it. It's just the position of your heart to accept it. Where is your perspective? Because if you're always looking at the ground, that's all you're ever going to see. Can you look up and see where God's leading you? If you're looking at the ground, you're like, I've been walking this, this way for miles, and you don't see that mountain in front of you that God is walking you up at a steady pace. It's not going to happen overnight. But instead of praying for your circumstances to change, pray for God to change the position of your heart to trust him more. Um, I'm going to be real transparent with you, and I might cry, but that's okay. It'll be fine. The past, um, well, since Bree and I met, Bree has always wanted to foster children, and I have not, um, <laughs> just to be completely honest. Um, I, I remember when we first talked about it, I was like, nah, doesn't sound fun, don't want to do that. And over the course of our relationship, um, it's come up a couple times, and we've kind of like, and I've poo-pooed it away, and you know, then we ended up having our own beautiful son, Hezekiah, who I know you've seen him run around, he's like the little... Uh, bleach blonde little kid running around everywhere. Um, 
And so we got to the point where Bree was just like, I really want to foster kids. And I still did not. <laughs> and I wanted to say in that moment that it was like, oh, I didn't get the leading from the Lord. You know, I, I'm not led to do that. When in reality, what it was is I was too afraid to even look that way. It's like God's holding a sign that says foster kids. And I'm like, don't see it. Don't, nope. Don't want to look over there. Don't want to look over there, God. I'll do all this stuff over here. I don't want to have anything to do with that sign over there, right? So I continued to resist, but we chose to foster regardless. And I said, I'm just going to do it out of like, because my wife wants to, and I'm going to just be, I, I feel like, why wouldn't we? Like, fostering's not a bad thing. Let's do it. Let's do it. So we started fostering. We had one kiddo, the first one we had for three weeks. And then we had another kiddo a few months later. We only had him for a week. And then two weeks ago, uh, we got a call for a sibling group. It was a young lady who's four years old and then her little brother who is a month old. And I came home from work from being told that I have a McDonald's hairline and that I'm, you know, goofy and whatever else. Walk in the door and Bree says, we got a call. We're going to get a sibling group. And I was like, okay, uh, all right, fine. So I, in that moment I prayed and I really did feel like God said, do it. And so I was like, fine. So I did. <laughs> and so I remember they came that night, they were there really late. I don't think the, the people even left till like 11 o'clock at night. And then the next day, came home from work and Brie had to go to like a right night or something. I don't remember. Brie had to go to a right night or something. So the, the four-year-old and Hezzy were both in bed and I was just left with the baby. And I remember Brie was leaving and she said, are you mad at me? And I was like, no. And she's like, well, you seem mad at me. And I was like, I was like, Brie, like the thing is, and these are like the words I said. I said, I just don't have the same passion for fostering kids that you do. Like, I don't have this like conviction to do it. I'm just doing it because I feel like, like it's God telling me to, but like, I'm not like, this isn't fun for me. Like, I don't enjoy it. You know what I mean? And she was like, okay. And then gave me a kiss and left. And the second she was out of the driveway, oof. <sighs> I felt God just like touch me and go, did I say it was going to be easy? Did I say it was going to be convenient? And I was like, no. And he's like, did Christ want to die for your sins? Yeah. Do you think it was convenient for Jesus to give up his life for you? Do you think it was inconvenient for him? Do you think it hurt? Do you think it was a little bit of a struggle? And I was like, how could I say no? So in that moment, the posture of my heart changed to, how could I dare look at you and say, this is so inconvenient for me, Lord, when then I'd look at Christ and see how inconvenient his life was for me? How could I look at Jesus and say, you know, this is just hard for me. Appreciate everything you did for me. I don't know where you're at. I can't look at God and tell him this is too inconvenient for me. I can't. I can't. And so over the past two weeks, my heart has been not molded overnight, but it's changing. And I certainly feel that conviction heavier of how could I say no to taking care of these children? Not to mention, yeah, take myself out of the situation. These children have been ripped from their parents, thrown into some rant. This dude's house. Can you imagine living with me? You think I'm weird up here. You should see me on a daily basis. Not to mention Brianna's singing like a fairy every day. Like just, uh, it's just, 
just noise and some weird mustache dudes making soap in the kitchen, okay? Like, they've been ripped away from their parents and introduced to us, and they're just like, okay, okay, I don't. The, the four-year-old tells me, you're weird, Mitch. <laughs> you're weird, Mitch. I'm like, I know, it's fine. I could be weird. It's not a big deal. And what I'm trying to tell you is I'm like, and, and I bet, I'm sure Luke could attest to this as well, it's not really any easier the situation's not gone. The pain will remain, but the peace will increase. The pain of the situation is still going to be there, but the posture of your heart will change to where your peace will increase. My mindset is no longer the same it was two weeks ago because now, rather than saying, rather than being drugged behind God, resisting, screaming the whole way, I'm up and I'm walking with Him because that's what He's asked me to do. And in that obedience, in that pruning, you will grow to produce more fruit than you ever thought you would. You don't want to give up those two little peppers that are growing, but you don't realize God has so much more to come out of you. You don't think that you're capable. You're more than capable through Christ. On your own, you're going to wither and die. On your own, you cannot withstand what he's going to ask you to do. But in the midst of his spirit moving through you, you are capable of so much more than you realize. You have to be willing to sacrifice you have to be willing to listen and abide in him. It's going to hurt. It's going to be inconvenient. It's not going to be fun sometimes. And I'm not telling all of you right now to be like, we're adopting 10 kids tomorrow. Like, that's not my message. I'm not telling you go seek out those things. But if you feel, if you're intimate with the Lord on a daily basis, he speaks to you clearly. I'm, I'm convinced of that. And when you hear him, listen, that's all it is. I know that I, I started off... Um, I remember I was in Australia when I did like mission, I was doing like a missions work back when I was like 19. And this was like at the beginning of my like hearing from God. And I remember being in McDonald's um, because back in Australia, McDonald's had a 50 cent ice cream cone and we used to smash those things. My gosh, we go in there with like $3, we were kings. And they also had free jelly and honey. So we just like make all sorts of little Sundays. Anyway, doesn't matter, not relevant. Um, but I was sitting there with one of my friends eating an ice cream cone, and there was another young man like two tables away from us, and God told me, when you get up to leave, tell that man that I love him. And I was like, that's weird, and I don't want to do that. And he was like, I don't care. And I was like, okay. So I was like, you know, doing that whole like slow walk. Like I know the inevitable is coming, and I'm just like, oh, I'm going to throw my cone away really slowly. And I walked over to the kid, and I was like, hey, um... Jesus loves you. And he was like, okay. And I left. That's it. That's the end of the story. I want that to sink in. Because not every time God's going to ask you to do something, should you place your expectations on it. Don't, don't walk up to that man going, I'm about to lead this man to Christ. Like, it's not about you. It's about your discipline, and it's about your obedience to God. Are you willing to abide in him? Are you willing to do something without being able to see the fruit from that situation? I don't know where that man is now. I don't know, but I was obedient. Therefore, God planted a seed and he used someone else to cultivate that seed. We have to be obedient enough to take our own personal desires, our own personal agenda out of the situation and simply be obedient. And I promise you, I promise you, God can give you more than you've ever expected. This is not a prosperity gospel. Like I'm not telling you you're gonna get rich quick, but your, your spirit and your soul will be drastically changed if you're willing to submit to him. Um, 
yeah, I, d I don't really have a good closing right now. I was so in like story mode. Um, being able to recognize when God is speaking to you is part of that journey of beginning to trust him. It's part of that journey of beginning to abide in him. If you can do those little things, those little promptings, I always saw that. I was young. Now that I'm older, I look back and I, I always saw that as God giving me an opportunity. Can you trust me in this little thing? Okay. You, you, you told the man at McDonald's that I love him. Can you trust that I want you to marry Bree? Can you take that step? Okay. Can you trust that I'm asking you to foster these children and I'm going to bring you closer to me through this circumstance? God is going to lead you upon this path, but if you want to stay in the shallows, you can stay there. But if you want a true, intimate relationship with God where he's going to bring you closer to being like Christ, closer to seeing his glory, open your eyes. Open your ears. Be willing to sacrifice. Be willing to step out of your comfort zone. Be willing to sacrifice money. Be willing to sacrifice time. Be willing to sacrifice friendships if that's what he's asking you to do.